1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Screen Heroes podcast. I am your host, Derek, and I have with me my two longtime lovely co-hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hi. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Episode 241. This week, we are actually kind of doing a retro review of 2009's Watchmen film, which is also a Zack Snyder film. We are doing the the uh, Snyder Cut next week in our double bonus week where we'll be doing two episodes. We'll be releasing an episode for Zack Snyder's Justice League, and we will also be doing an episode for the premiere of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So you've got two episodes from us next week. Just want to get that out there, get that out of the way. We're doing live streams Monday and Tuesday next week, and then the episode will come out the following day. So a Tuesday and Wednesday release for new episodes, which, you know, if that's your thing, then, you know, cool. It's, it's something that uh, I'm excited about. Yeah. 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 So this week we're not really doing news. Uh, we're we're going to kind of skip over news. Ray, was there anything else you wanted to do before we talk about the movie?
2: No, not really. I have a, uh bonus questions for you guys for during the movie things that we don't usually get to talk about so it's just more movie it's you know expansion
1: interesting
2: the ultimate cut
1: (laughs) okay all right fair enough so for those who want to know exactly what we're talking about for Watchmen, there are three cuts of the movie or three versions (laughs) if you will we have decided to go with the theatrical cut uh for two main reasons one that is the version that's available on hbo max if you were going to stream it and it is the shortest of those three cuts and it's already two hours and 42 minutes it's already not that short of a film the director's cuts over three hours and the ultimate cuts even longer so um that that's what we're doing so i guess then this is your spoiler warning for watchmen 2009 if you haven't seen it and are unfamiliar with the graphic novel um then you know you have been warned officially mm-hmm. all right so let's let's kick things off here where would you guys like to start
0: uh i mean maybe we should give our like overall thoughts of the film like now versus when the, we first watched it or if it's changed or you know i don't know what do you guys think
2: that's a good plan
1: Did you all see it when it was released in theaters?
2: I did.
0: I saw the blue dong cut. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. The elusive fourth cut of the movie, though. There was a lot more blue penis in this cut than I've had like remembered them keeping in.
0: Yeah. It was mostly just like the large blue penises that they cut out. Yeah. Like if it was a normal, it was a normal size. Yeah. If it was a normal size, (laughs) Dr. Manhattan, sure. We could have a little peen here, but no, uh, (laughs) That, yeah whenever he was giant there was no peen
1: interesting i wonder i wonder if there's like some type of mpaa rule about that where like as long like as the it's penis
0: ra- has to be less than human size <laughs> or something well, like it, like smaller than an actual human
1: i'm sure that like that's not how the rule is written but like maybe there is like some kind of rule about it can't be oh, like you know portrayed in a particular size i don't know
2: okay so I want to point out that according to Adam Ruins Everything, that man does his homework, the MPAA does not have any set of rules. It is a small group of Americans that review these things and they kind of just make it up as they go go now there are some guidelines that they follow but those adjust based on who's on the committee and who's not and uh so what we got away with 10 years is different than now and it always depends on who's reviewing it there's there's no like decency committee that judges the stuff or says like oh you're only allowed this amount and this like
0: this many inches of penis yeah
2: yeah well <laughs> just for an example uh, in the early 2000s a pg-13 movie was allowed one f word before they got bumped to r and that's not the case anymore they're not really allowed any if you pay attention pg-13 movies instead will say shit at least like five or six times but no more f words so it just it changes with who's ever on the committee and it's only about you know 20 people that decide these films so Mm. it's uh it's kind of bullshit it's like, like you know to me it feels very uh mccarthyism or uh you know red scare salem witch trials where a bunch of people are just like you know what that's suspicious are
0: <laughs> but then this now the studios can be like oh i wanted to be pg-13 here's a little extra monies mm-hmm. Maybe yeah forget i used that third shit in they there.
2: can completely bribe them or you know uh, get around things like uh Derek points out almost every time i watch it that when that klingons have purple blood in undiscovered country because if they had red blood it would have been rated r like how bonkers ridiculous is that (laughs) do you think like kids really care either way that's happened
0: in a lot of movies i mean Mm -hmm. they use like uh you know suicide squad they use black blood when you blow up all those creatures because Mm -hmm. red blood would have made it uh I don't know thinking it's another rate. Was that thing PG 13? I can't remember. It was. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. So I mean it, that's yeah, it's that's pretty common.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it's a strange thing. I the Star Trek one's just a good example because it because of the way Star Trek Canon is set up now that race just has that color of blood, because that was the first time they ever showed it. And it's it's a little silly because you you know, our kids looking at it like I knew it was blood. I knew it wasn't human blood, but it was still blood. So what's the difference? But
2: and I don't know. It's to be confusing. honest, okay, all those like bubble putties in suicide squad, like, do you think it would have been more just violent in your eyes if it was like red viscera versus black?
1: I think it's silly, but it's the same reason why, like in the Avengers movies, the Chitauri—they're just this faceless army that they can slaughter—and it's fine for PG thirteen. But if it was a bunch of humans, I don't think you can keep a PG thirteen rating at that point. Right.
2: Right. So it's weird. The whole point behind Doctor Manhattan and there's there—it's twofold. Like one, it's how Dave Gibbons and Alan Moore wrote the character. Doctor Manhattan is disconnected. From humans and he believes himself superior he's outside of it so a superior being what do they have to be ashamed about like in and close like he doesn't need them as protection so he's not covering anything from the elements but he also doesn't need to hide anything you know he's the most he's, powerful he's, yeah and...
0: he's beyond any of that crap mm-hmm. he's beyond so, caring
2: there's that and then too zach schneider said that uh, he wanted to include it because there is a standard for uh you know the it's just women nudity in men in movies is much higher than male nudity and uh uh Boobs in movies can still be in PG 13 and stuff, but as soon as you know, you see, uh, like a butt, I think it becomes R or something like that. I don't know. I think again, show butts guidelines. PG
0: 13, yeah, yeah. Splash, that was PG. I'm pretty (laughs) sure there was butt in it.
2: Well, it's really hard to go back to the 80s, yeah, because like
1: Ghostbusters would not be PG if there had been a PG 13 rating at the time.
2: Now, we say sure. that a lot. We use that a lot because it's very obvious from the cursing and the blowjob scene <laughs> that it would have had a PG-13 rating and not PG. But his point was this: he was trying to even the playing field a bit, you mm-hmm. know, more male nudity in rated R movies.
1: I will say this. So I saw it opening night, uh, pretty big theater, very full. And there were a couple of i'm gonna say middle-aged women i don't really know their age but probably 30s or 40s uh when i was you know seeing this and um they thought the blue penis was the funniest thing they had ever seen in their entire lives and would completely cackle laugh at it every single time it was on screen which got annoying pretty quickly since the original version of the film showed it all the time yeah so, you know, it was better this time, not having that as part of my experience.
0: <laughs> so I actually enjoyed the movie less now than I did back in 2009. There are things that there were Me changes too. I did not like as much now as I did back then. Uh, and I have watched it in between, but I think I was mm-hmm. watching the ultimate cut. Not the one with the like uh, Black Freighter stuff in it. Just the one without that. So that's the director's cut. Director's cut, sorry. Um, Which is better, but it's still, I found myself finding more inherent problems with the changes uh, and the way the movie was shot than I I did in 2009, which I thought was interesting because this movie, I would consider it to be one of my favorite comic book movies before this. And now I question whether like it breaks the top 10 even. So interesting.
2: what? changes are you talking about what did you have issues with
0: changes between when i say changes i'm talking about changes between the graphic novel and uh between that in the movie not necessarily changes between like the director's cut um so i think that uh first of all it's amazing that zack snyder was able to even make this movie because a lot of people consider this to be unmakeable nobody could actually like put this movie to to a movie length Mm
2: -hmm. film
0: that maybe a miniseries or something but a lot of people considered it not able to be done
2: yeah a lot of directors passed on it because they considered it unfilmable
1: well especially at the time the the opportunity to do a rated r comic book flick superhero flick was more or less considered a bad idea Mm -hmm. we didn't have deadpool yet to confirm that it could be done very successfully Um, and i mean deadpool also had a very tight budget too where this this did not
0: (laughs) Yeah, R-rated superhero movies were not like a thing back no. then. And, and even with this one, it wasn't hugely – like, it wasn't Deadpool successful.
1: No, um, it was actually considered to not be a financial success uh, because of the cost involved and, and everything like that. Um, and, I mean, back then, I mean, movies didn't – the average superhero movie wasn't making the kind of money that they are now. Uh, that just wasn't really the way it was yet. So this movie had a production budget of $138 million which is about 40 million more, uh, 40 or 40, 50 million more than Deadpool had. Uh, And then it only brought in total worldwide one hundred and eighty seven million. So it did like that's it. Um, And it's only made about 150 million in like DVD Blu Ray sales. So if you combine all of that, it's still not really considered financially successful.
0: And that's crazy to me because I was very much this, the seeing the trailer for this movie made me go, Holy crap, what is this? And I went out and read the graphic novel um, before the movie came out just after seeing the trailer. Cause I thought it looked interesting, but I digress back to the point of uh, the points that I didn't like. And maybe you'll argue with me about this. Derek probably will because he likes to argue with me, but uh, <laughs> maybe you'll agree. Uh, have, have you both read the graphic novel? A long,
1: long time ago, but I, I read it before the movie came out. I have not read it since.
0: And Rachel, I'm pretty sure you have, right? Yes. Okay. So the, the there were two big points that I think are a problem for me and where either Zack Snyder didn't, didn't understand what the point of the graphic novel was or didn't care and just was putting it to the screen. Um, in the graphic novel, the superheroes in the graphic novel are pretty crappy, shitty people, pathetic. Mm-hmm. They're impotent, sexist racist homophobic they rape people you know it's they're not good people and with some of the heroes in this movie they completely like gloss over that fact and just like try and make them look really cool like night owl for instance night owl is really cool i i loved him in this movie but he's different than the night owl in the the graphic novel uh rorschach is the biggest one though Rorschach, like every shot where he's like wearing the mask and everything is designed to be like make him look awesome. Even the way he like reads the the journal is made to look, make him look cool. But in the comic books, he's like stinky. He's, you know, just a shitty guy in general. He's not someone you would admire at all. He's obviously like completely insane beyond bat. He's like psychopathic, not just sociopathic. Like, he has so many problems, and they don't really touch on that at all. Um, you know, they have the rape scene with the comedian, which is a really important scene in the movie and in the graphic novel. But, you know, in a lot of way, the ways he's filmed, he's still filmed in a way that's, like, made to make him look cool. You know, like, when he's going and killing civilians, uh, when he drops out of uh, Archimedes and is, like, shotgunning people and blast. He does, like, the three-point cool superhero landing, and which night owls is actually way cooler if you ask me but uh he, he well, he's obviously, got the cape, you know yeah it looks awesome <laughs> even watching it now i was like whoa that's so cool um but it's, which Zack snyder's great at and we've covered that a million times on the show but um yeah the comedian was filmed in a way that was like made to make him look cool too and i think in the graphic novel there wasn't really supposed to be like mixed feelings about these heroes like they were just shitty like pathetic people in general whereas in this it's kind of mixed feelings right i mean so i don't know that's my first big point what do you guys think about that
1: so i agree with you i do my only thought is it i don't know necessarily if it was snyder not caring as much as it might have been from a marketing standpoint a way to try and do this successfully because it is difficult to have a film where there are no good guys right it's just hard to do because even like when they did deadpool you know deadpool's he's an anti-hero he does bad stuff but pretty much only to bad people so he's still kind of a good guy having your your only people all of your protagonists all be absolute trash i just think is a difficult thing to have people watch so that's where i would put like my money on why but i agree with you it's they're all other than the comedian Right. They're all painted as at least more good than bad. Right. Even though, you know, obviously there's bad to most of them. The good kind of is pushed to outweigh that so they can still be redeemable.
0: My only response to that would be that that's one of the major points of the graphic novel. So glossing over that to appeal to audiences is a tough, tough thing for me. You know,
1: I, I agree with you. I'm not like I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. I just think that was the line of thought.
0: Yeah, it was just to make it more palatable for the general audience. I'm sure. What do you think? What about the- What about you, Rachel? Do you agree?
2: So, I I'm not sure I do, and not for the reason that you think. Um, I think it might be because of my female perspective that these people, n- not even in 2009, like their costumes came off as cool, but I never thought they were good people and i don't i think maybe you know snyder tried to make them a little bit more heroic but even now none of them come off as appealing i don't want to know these people in real life i don't want to meet them in the streets like i and i'm wondering if it's because you know comedian and rorschach were not marketed to my demographic as being uh cool because honestly I just see these guys and they have zero appeal to me. So I don't know. What do you guys Maybe think? it's because
0: of the male power fantasy or like whatever. I don't know. But it's, it. I mean, Dvorak and Comedian, they, did, they looked pretty cool in this movie a lot of the time. I, I mean, I, like I said, it could just be that I'm a male or that I was raised differently or something. I don't really know what the difference is, but comedian, for sure, like, in a couple of the scenes, he looked pretty cool. They were, like, trying to make him look like an 80s action hero in, like, the Vietnam scenes, and, like, um you know, what he was doing was clearly not cool, but, you know, I don't know. It was framed as heroic. A lot of it, maybe. Not when he shoots I, the, like, I mean, woman, he was... But, yeah,
2: he murdered a woman he impregnated, and he's he... He's a piece of
0: shit. Like, they... Yeah.
2: And, like, he was shooting tear gas out of a shotgun at point blank range into protesters so like at no point did i think this guy was a good guy but was so. he shooting
0: t- i don't think he was shooting when i was watching it this time i don't think he was shooting t- he shot tear gas like at the end when he like shot that guy that was over yeah, yeah.
2: that's all i was uh but he
0: drops out with a sh- an actual shotgun right he
1: he, he he killed he, like he's shooting at real people and like the yeah. way that scene even kicks off the first person he attacks is just like a woman off to the side yeah he so, punches
0: her in the face or something like that right when, like
1: they're not even touching him or anything like that so like yeah. at least for me the comedian is a bad guy basically the entire film I'm not even sure other than like literally the first shot of him you know for the photograph like other than that You know he's just a bad guy
0: or when he humanizes Uh, a little bit and goes and talks to his uh old villain
1: i mean he's clearly messed up and like it's not that i don't have like any sympathy for a broken mind right he clearly needs help but for me he's he's a bad guy the entire time manhattan is kind of painted in a negative light the entire time as well i think Night Owl and Silk Spectre, on the other hand, they're like the good guys in the movie, right? Because Rorschach is basically like completely unhinged Batman, just with no money.
0: Or Punisher, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. The Punisher is probably a better example, just without the guns. Um, whereas I think Silk Spectre and Night Owl, or Night Owl Two, two however you want to frame it or whatever, uh, both of them are twos, I guess. Um, they're they're like the only real heroes because they don't really do anything bad they're also
2: retired they're the only ones that really like stepped out of the the work
1: that's fair that's 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 also fair because like you only see them hurt people who've like directly attacked them or you know are the main villain at the end of the movie
2: and they do the only good act they stop a fire Mm-hmm. Or they rescue people from a fire, but to me, they're also the complacent ones. You know, they join the mission. Um, in my opinion, they're the most flashy. Well, aside from Ozzy. but they're they seem like they were in it for some publicity or fame or something. I maybe a little bit.
1: I never got that.
2: That's fair.
0: Well, Silk Spectre more came across to me as like she's doing it because that's what her mom did, and like she what felt pressured to to be what her mom was. Night Owl, yeah, definitely
2: the image in the comic. But like, what's the point of Night Owl using his money for a self indulgent owl ship?
0: Well, I mean, it was useful to the team, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I get it. His, his intentions are a little weird, but like that scene where we keep talking about with comedian night owl is there and he's not stopping comedian. He's like, like comedian is talking about how we just got to have fun because the masks are getting outlawed and he's shooting people right in front of night owl and night owl does nothing to stop him. Well, cause and night he's owl like kind of regretful about it. Right. He comments like, what have we become or whatever what's happened to us. But, Nothing is shown that to where like he tries to stop him or does anything like exactly.
1: that. Cause like integrity wise, he kind of comes off a bit like a coward. Like he yeah. wants to be the hero, right? He wants to do the right thing, but not if it really is going to put him at risk. And the reality is that one on one, comedian's going to kick his ass.
0: Probably, right?
1: yeah. You know, like I just, I feel like that's how that would go, especially because comedian's going to fight dirty and he's got guns on him and all that other stuff. So like, night owl doesn't do the right thing in that scene and i think it's just because he's scared of comedian
2: night owl is a coward and they address i think like they fully flesh this stuff out a bit better in the comics for sure because you know uh you use the line impotent and in the comics he actually says that in the scene where he's staring at the suit and he's naked. He says the word impotent and, you know, ha ha ha. We're supposed to think it's just his dick and he can't have sex with Lori, but that's not all. He means like his entire life. He has just been this kind of broken person. He's not just impotent in the bedroom. He's just an impotent person. He can't do his job. He can't step up and, finish things so mm.
0: but some of that is kind of lost in this movie it seems it like absolutely is he's just like now he goes and saves those people from the fire so that he can get a heart on and and have sex with lori you know
1: i don't that's know if the that's why, why he did it me-
0: but i mean it
1: definitely def- seems like that's all it took
0: yeah yeah
2: it, it definitely came off that they just needed a little bit of you know self pride
0: right. right like he needed to indulge himself a little bit <laughs> right which- it's it's very like, selfish. He
2: got the boner, not from Lori, but because he, he helped did, people. yeah, he had that rush of adrenaline because immediately after they're like, man, it'd be a lot of fun to go break into a prison. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like they actually say that. So yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah no, I mean, that, that's they didn't get
2: their jellies said. off. Like they're not great people either.
0: No, no. no but- they're just the best of the group is all. I Which mean. is not saying that. Yeah. Much. But yeah, like Rorschach in the graphic novel, like he's not great in this, but he's at least—I don't know—he—he—he's at least cool in this, right? Like for me, anyway, he came across as cool, and I'm sure he did for you, Derek, too, because you did a costume of him. So obviously, you had there was some appeal, but um, you know, in, in the graphic novel, he was just a crazy piece of shit. Like there was nothing redeemable about him.
1: No, because uh, in, in the movie, he he—it's he's completely carnal. It's very id focus it's all visceral for him but in the movie it's all framed as as a twisted form of justice he's only going after a certain type of people and he's not even killing everybody because of you know the line when he is about you know when he goes to kill the guy uh who who killed the girl you know he mentions about how you know men go to prison
0: Dogs, dogs get, get put
1: down. down right so yeah. even like, as unhinged as he is he also knows what's going on like the scene with the psychiatrist and the ink blots, right he knows he's crazy he knows what he's seeing and he knows if he says it he's going to get put in a padded room and he'll never escape so he knows enough he's aware enough to avoid that and i think for me what what keeps him at least on the side of i'm able to follow him right and know that he's at least like doing what he thinks he can do is because he's only trying to go after the bad people right if you're a good person he's not gonna he's not gonna mess with you at all right but if you're gonna rob a bank if you're gonna kill a kid he's gonna come for you with everything that he's got and it's like that's why i kind of said like the unhinged batman just with no money because it's kind of it kind of felt like kind of like what we saw in bvs that version of batman right except with all of his you know fancy toys
0: I'll just say it now because we kind of just talked about it. I didn't like it in 2009. I didn't like it in the graphic novel. And I don't like it now when he kills the dogs. Nope. The dogs didn't do shit. Like they they were chewing on a girl's leg, which isn't great, but that was not their fault. I mean, they're just Mm -hmm. dogs, you know? They don't know any different. So, I I know he did it as like a message, but then he killed the guy right after. So, the dogs seemed like they were needlessly, you know, I don't know. They were just innocent victims in this whole thing
2: it was that and when he gets back at his bully and he starts to fight him as a kid young rorschach and he bites them like he rips part of the cheek off that's uh the two main things that really solidify is that rorschach has never been a hero that he's not interested in achieving justice that he's interested in Retribution and punishment in putting someone completely down. Cause there's something very carnal about a bite like that. You know, you you do that. Um, like uh, biting in fights is usually used as one of two ways. You know, the first one's self-defense, when it's like the last thing you really have, because there's always that risk you could lose teeth. But then, you know, you take away somebody's cheek, you know, you you do the mike tyson evander holyfield ear biting thing like you remove a person's body part you're sending a message you want them to know that you are the most powerful and not to mess with you ever again and so like rorschach to me never came off as The hero, he just always seemed like you push me far enough, and I'm going to be the bigger bully. You -hmm. know, he he could have easily put that prisoner down without killing him, but instead he throws hot oil on this guy's face.
0: One of my favorite scenes, honestly. Yeah, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. So,
2: like, I I'm just saying, in my opinion, he was never cool.
0: For me, it was he was totally like he was he was cool in the hot topic sense, you know, like like Joker is cool, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's what he's doing is not cool.
2: Well, that I understand. I can totally get behind that. I think the difference is Joker has yet to be our protagonist.
0: Except in his movie, where.
2: Except in his own movie. Yeah, yeah. sorry, so, man. Uh, real
1: quick. Uh, you fun pushed it out of your
0: mind, too, so I understand.
1: <laughs> real quick fun fact The young Rorschach is actually played by Eli Snyder, one of Zack Snyder's kids.
2: That nice. is really cool. did a cool.
0: good job. So, a
1: <laughs> little role there
0: um but yeah to your point about the biting rachel that's it is really interesting in in like action and fight scenes they almost always avoid biting in movies because mm -hmm. in general in society it's kind of a dirty tactic right it's considered a dirty tactic like if i get in a bar fight with somebody i'm probably not gonna bite them you know um but in movies yeah the only time you really see it in movies you don't even see it in the circumstance that you mentioned with like it's the last resort because
2: no, you that's know, more movies. of a real life thing. That's a real life thing. Like, yeah. Act or something. Like, in movies,
0: yeah. it's literally just to show that this person is completely unhinged. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, so you're listening now and you know a movie where they show that as like a last resort type thing, hit me on Twitter because I'm interested to see that. But same here. Um, yeah, it's almost always just to show how crazy the person is in movies.
1: Well, Rorschach I mean, also gets a bit of pleasure out of that retribution. He wants that that revenge he wants to see that person get his version of justice you know it's it's why he when the guy's ele- being electrocuted on the floor of his cell he's kind of like watching the whole time like he, he's fine with it it makes him almost happy that the person got what he thinks he deserved
2: and he totally acknowledges that it's fucked up he says that walter kovacs died and that since then there's only rorschach He knows he's messed up. He just doesn't want to rehabilitate anymore. He doesn't want to address the trauma and be a better person. He wants to stop everybody that's worse than him.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Because his perspective is supposed to be that the world is not savable. Right. That's kind of the whole premise of the movie. Right. Is that the human race is damned to destroy itself. And that's kind of the boat that he's in. He agrees with that. And he agrees that the cops aren't going to do it and the politicians aren't going to do it. And so if no one else is going to do it, then fine, he'll he'll go ahead and fucking do it. Right. And that doesn't make him a hero. But in his head, he thinks it's the only
0: answer. Mm -hmm. So. I'll get to my other point in a little bit. My other point that I didn't agree with the change I didn't like because I said there were two, but um, this, this movie, one thing I love about this movie and that it does very well are the action scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly the uh, alley scene with uh silk specter and night owl, but more so for me, the jail scene, um, not, not just the fight scene, but all basically everything with warshak leading up to that also um, is just wonderful for me i loved that alley scene um i i kind of would have liked to have seen it all as one solid scene instead of like interspersed with other scenes um Mm -hmm. and maybe i thought i remembered that it was one solid scene so maybe that's the director's cut was that way it is extended believe
2: so okay
0: yeah it's one of the scenes that gets cut down i think it's a little gratuitous in terms of like the bones coming out of people's (laughs) arms and stuff but i mean it's that that gives it a little depth and more realism and i appreciate that in a fight scene
2: it does fit watchmen because to me like watching this movie again it's different things have hit since i last really watched it Yeah, the
0: world I, is different now for you personally and on the larger scale
2: exactly so uh certain things hit a little bit differently harder things like that so um i i I also, I found it a little hard to watch in some spots when, you know, the bones were flying and uh, people were exploding. It didn't just feel like, you know, the disconnect in movies where you can totally forget about that all these humans just exploded. But at the same time, I felt it worked within the context so well that uh, this movie is it's
0: certainly not fun to watch bones come out of people's bodies i mean but yeah it's visually
2: stunning like all the costumes are amazing most of the fight scenes are great uh one of my favorite fight scenes is actually not even in this cut that we watched it's night owl one taking on the knot tops in his house i love
0: night owl one so much
2: hollis is great like and I, I don't know if you guys ever read the companion book, the under the mask by Hollis Mason that they actually put out, but it like, that's a lot of fun too. And I really enjoyed that.
0: He was a great character. Like, uh, you know, when I went and saw this in theaters, I was really disappointed that they cut out the whole scene where those uh, guys go in to beat the shit out of him. Because that was an important scene, right? They give us old Night Owl, original Night Owl, and he's cool. We're like him. He does like the jokey upper jab that knocked out that, you know, whatever villain. And uh, he's appealing to the audience, right? And Mm -hmm. then you never really find out what's going on with him, you know? But in in the graphic novel, they do address that. And I remember when I saw the theatrical cut, I was super disappointed that that was not a part of it. Because that was I liked that scene a lot in the graphic novel. It really added a lot to it to it for me.
2: Well, so- it, I think we we joke a lot about the nostalgia aspect that people have. You know, there's a lot of jokes about grandparents going like, "Back in my day," blah blah blah. When Hollis Mason and uh, Sally Jupiter are the absolute like pinnacle of that, they love to. Wax nostalgic about things. And they were,
0: they were, when they were fighting, they weren't doing it in big, thick rubber armor, right? Mm -hmm. Like they weren't doing it. I'm assuming the new Silk Spectre doesn't really have armor either, but you know, the new Night Owl is wearing like full body armor, or at least it's implied that that's what that is. So, you know, this other guy was doing his short shorts.
2: Yeah, he's maybe wearing one of those old leather football helmets at
0: best. at At best. Yeah,
2: like that's the best that they got. Um, I think my biggest part about why I dislike Watchmen as a whole, both the comic book, both the movie, um, is because the Minutemen is way more exciting for me. Like, I, I want to see the whole Dollar Bill fight where he gets his cape caught. I want to see Mothman... Uh, decline i want to see hooded justice and sally jupiter uh go through that fake relationship that they have and um but yeah, also the world cool. afterwards after yeah. watchmen is also interesting so the fact that like the comic book focuses more on the six characters from the 80s and then the sequel comic books uh focus on the or all the comic books that steal deal with these characters just go back to like the 70s to before Watchmen um is just not as interesting as the other stuff going around so you
0: know when they announced the show I was really hoping that it was going to be those characters since we haven't really got anything from them but yeah it, I'm, I'm sure the show is great kinda. I haven't watched it but
2: yeah you know. Jeremy Irons plays uh, an older version of Matthew Good's character and that's basically it Yeah.
1: So kind of talking about, um, you know, we were talking about the the fight scenes and and how it kind of it looks. And I I would argue that this is still the best looking Zack Snyder movie from the, just the visuals, the special effects, the fight choreography, um, the cinematography in general, the way it's shot, the way it's lit story aside, it's still a gorgeous movie and it's, you know, 12 years old now. And it still looks really, really good today. I think all of the special effects held up. I didn't really see anything that looked funky to me, um, at least not in the theatrical cut. It's been a while since I've watched uh, the director's cut or the ultimate cut. But I mean, the, the costumes are all still top notch. And I think that it's very interesting that the movie still looks as good as it does. When you think about what was being made at the time, like this was, you know, a year after Iron Man, right? This was, you know, the Dark Knight and things like that. And I think this was a more amb- like visually ambitious project than either of those. Um, and it still holds up.
0: I'm going to disagree on part of that. I agree okay. that with almost everything you said, but I don't think it's Zack Snyder's most visually stunning movie. I think that for me, that honor goes to 300. Uh, I was not, gonna only
2: say... be-
0: not only because it's uh, of everything that it did, but it also did it three years before this movie.
1: Yeah, I just think some of the stuff in 300, a lot of the background green screen work doesn't hold up as well as you might remember.
0: I just watched it like a year ago and I was still impressed by it. So I don't know. Sounds like like
2: we need to do a review of 300. I'm great with
0: that. I love that movie. So, yeah, (laughs) I would absolutely do that.
2: I will take... 300 men in Speedos <laughs> over one giant blue dong.
0: So, do you, are you saying that you prefer?
2: Uh, I'm you saying say that.
0: In terms of this, or in terms of Derek, just apart from the dongs <laughs> and the pitmen and thongs. In terms I'm saying, saying that if we color.
2: actually do that, I'm going to be so horny on the podcast. That's I'm, fine. But, I'm like, can you
0: just agree on. with one of us right now, please? <laughs> I need to know if I'm beating Derek or if Derek's winning. You're married to him though. So I already know which way it goes <laughs> oh, you I have to, opinions because you're married to him.
2: I have to go to bed with him later. Like, exactly. Fine. Wait, 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 look, look, fine.
0: I, I, I don't
1: mean any, any real knock against, against 300. I love 300. It was actually the first Blu-ray I ever purchased was 300. My so God, like, I don't do mean you... any insult to that. Um, I just think that, 300 is stylistically done to kind of look almost comic booky. Whereas this, this looks like hyper-realistic, right? It all looks very real. There's a ton of practical work involved in it. And between the costuming and the fight scenes and the visuals, I just think it still looks outstanding. Um, When a lot of movies, you know, from that time weren't even this ambitious and have some CGI stuff that doesn't hold up anymore. So
0: uh, I was just really impressed with it. So in regards to the costuming, I agree with you almost 100%. Which <laughs> you have a hundred
2: percent.
0: Ozymandias' costume, like it looks really good when he's standing still and like delivering a monologue, but then as soon as he starts moving, you can see like the little flaps on the back of his neck, uh, like I don't know, neck seal is what we call in the costuming world, but that thing like start flapping up in the back and like. It makes it look like it's not actually armor, like it's a piece of, uh, it's probably foam latex in real life, but yeah, you know, something like that. It, it doesn't move like a piece of armor would. Um, and watching it now, I picked up on that and I didn't before. And that's probably just my like costume eyes looking at stuff. But other than that, yeah, dude, it's a uh, night owl snowsuit in oh, the so graphic cool. novel was like, I loved it so much. And they did such a cool translation of it in this movie. I would do that. Co- I would do him either of his costumes in this movie at any point. If given, given the ability to like have unlimited money yeah. and unlimited time to make it because I love them so much.
1: Well, cause I mean, night, night owls from a costume perspective is just so similar to Batman. It's just, it's a very big commitment. It's
0: well executed to a lot, a, totally. a lot better than some of the Batmans though. Like it's just more intricate than a lot of the on screen Batmans we've seen. Honestly.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, especially back then, I mean, I, I you know this was the the christian bale batman which i know oh, yeah. his costume was very kind of divisive among people and i i still think night owl looks spectacular
0: he does and only when he keeps his goggles on though when he takes his goggles off it bothers me that he's not wearing like eyebrow. brown like, you know, <laughs> batman wears the eye black around his eyes but every time he took it off it looked like a cosplayer that forgot to put on their eye black uh, yeah. when they're wearing batman cowl and that bothered me That's a such lot a weird... more now.
1: It's such a weird thing, though, because also it's kind of like, you know, anytime Batman would take the cow off magically, that eye stuff was gone. Right. You know, and And, and that
0: bothers me, too. But, (laughs) you know, we're talking about this movie. So, yeah, I mean, in this movie, that bothered me more than it should. It's not really a knock on the movie because I wouldn't put eye black on either if I was going out wearing goggles and there's no point. Right. But, you know, whatever. That's a little nitpick. (laughs) <laughs> okay so my second thing and this is probably pretty this is an important thing to talk about anyway and you guys could probably guess where i'm gonna where i'm gonna hit the ending it was very divisive uh when it came out yeah and when it came out um i actually was okay with this change um the the big ending change but but now re-watching it i think that it is it, it was not not what the film really needed it, it it kind of felt like zack snyder missing the point again um so and, and if you don't know what i'm talking about in the movie it's in it, it, ozymandias sets up this thing to make it look like dr manhattan uh blew up new york or whatever city I it's the, a new york it's, well city.
1: it's 13 different cities so new york's oh, one of them i think it's okay. new york chicago and la here and then like all over the globe
0: yes yeah, so he d- does that to make it look like uh manhattan you know did all this Mm -hmm. um in the comics it's basically i don't remember if it's one giant squid or if it's multiple i thought it was just one yeah okay yeah it's one um that spawns up somewhere in the united states and uh like it's like a giant alien squid and starts attacking
2: yeah, instead of a nuclear holocaust, he he mimics an alien invasion. And right. he had been hosting this alien and on an island and he had been kidnapping people. Instead of getting cancer, they were being abducted and so that's that's what happened.
1: I mean, I think I think that may have been a little too comic booky for what they were doing number one I, I don't know if it could be taken as seriously and number two from a cost perspective making that look as good as the rest of the movie may not have been an option
0: I'm not discounting either of those things but for the in the context of what the original graphic novel was trying to do I don't think that this version the the thing that was in the graphic novel it was meant to be a neutral threat that the that the entire world could rally around mm-hmm and fight against right in this movie it was not a neutral threat because it's made clear several times that they america has a superman or that there's a superman and he's american or whatever so him going and attacking all these other countries i mean is that really going to unite all the countries against dr manhattan dr manhattan is an american and sure american cities got hit too but i mean for me it the neutral threat of the squid of the alien attack they could have found some way to mimic that without needing the CGI. You know, there's something they could do rather than turning. It could have been different aliens. It could have sure. been yeah, something it that would have cheaper. to be a squid.
1: I, I, I agree. F- I agree with that. My My biggest problem with it isn't so much that it's Dr. Manhattan as much as like, it's still temporary. Right. Because at some point, if Dr. Manhattan doesn't show up in five years or 20 years or 50 years, eventually somebody somewhere is going to think he's gone right? And then start building a military backup. And then someone else is like, well, what if they're right? And they're going to start building a military backup. It doesn't actually solve any problem. It just pauses everything for a while. And that's my biggest problem with the solution is that it's not, it's just a stopgap. It doesn't solve any problem.
0: And why would the Soviets come out to help an imperialistic United States that destroyed one of its own cities because it lost control of a nuke? You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know the whole. Yeah, you're you're right. It is a temporary solution. But even in the beginning, it's like it doesn't make any sense to me that now all of a sudden the Soviets are okay with helping America, Mm -hmm. you know, because one of their their nukes essentially went off across the world.
1: And it also just there's never really the motivation is never really put in there. Like, okay, so the, the cancer thing doesn't really do anything because that has nothing to do with the resolution of the movie if you remove the cancer piece completely the ending doesn't change and so you just have dr manhattan go from this maybe neutral scientist maybe american scientist to just complete genocidal maniac alien who disappears there's no build up to that
0: well the cancer thing was supposed to as I understood it, do two things. One, it was supposed to make Dr. Manhattan go, huh, what's going on? And then leave to Mars because he's like contemplating whether he gave these people cancer. But then also they did that on live TV. So it's meant to have people go, okay, well, this guy's giving people cancer. And then he like screamed and went to Mars. So maybe he did go crazy. I think mm-hmm. this is, was what the payoff was for that. I'm not saying it was great yeah. or the right way to do it, but I think that's where it, where they were headed with it.
1: Ray, what do you think?
2: Um, so I definitely think the giant squid I found silly in the comics. So I'm glad they changed it. Uh, Ozymandias Mandy is turning it against the very guy he was trying, like using to help deter nuclear war. Is um, pretty fucking calculating and to me it it makes him a better villain uh than what he was in the comics but i i do agree and dan or night owl says that at the very end that like as long as people think that manhattan's out there watching us everybody will you know stay in line but until then or once that's over it's over but that's just how things go anyway that's just a deterrent like anytime there's a a peace, it's just as uh i guess it's gonna end just like war is going to end nothing goes on forever
1: I agree with that. The, the difference here is the the whole thing is is like leaning on the premise that it was okay to kill these tens of millions of people because we're going to save these billions of people.
2: Oh, because- I never like that. Yeah. I hate the whole like kill the,
0: millions to save billions.
2: Yeah, I have always hated that. Uh, you have to sacrifice this so that these people. It's I I hate the trolley problem. Like it's. It's well, not it's, a choice that you should ever have to make.
1: It's not like it's, it's the ends justify the means argument, right? And, but yeah. the, the problem is that for me, since it doesn't actually solve the problem, then it's an irrelevant talking point because it's delay just... The the means. Right. Yeah, or exactly. Or the means delay
0: the ends. Yeah.
1: Right. So like the end is still coming. And actually by then the population would theoretically be higher. So you're actually putting even more people at risk of being killed.
2: <laughs> Which <laughs> right? is why the... A best thing that rorschach does is submit his journal to that newspaper at the end
0: mm-hmm. which will what? likely not be taken seriously though
2: and I mean... can i just say like how shitty of a point of view is it when like the world is finally having some peace and you can't find one goddamn story to write about like you're just shitty at your job go somewhere else old guy
1: it's a bad kind of tack on at the end because, yeah, like, okay, so if the journal gets published, there's only one of two outcomes. People think it's ridiculous.
0: right? The Which the conspiracy is, theorists latch onto it. And, right. You know.
1: Or people take it seriously and then the piece is over anyway. So, like, it it kind of hinges on that. So the whole thing could be for not because of this journal. Or it's irrelevant, so don't show the scene. <laughs> those,
0: those are the two
2: options. Um, did you guys feel to me That the tiger was a bit of a waste.
0: Pubastus? Yeah. Yeah, he was way cooler in the graphic novel. But even even in the graphic novel, he didn't really do much. It was more just, like, be his evil hench, or show how evil he was, or whatever.
2: And it's just to show, like, how much money and power Ozzy has. Like, think of people off the top of your head that have tigers.
0: Mike Tyson.
2: Exactly. And, you know, even in comic books and stuff, like in The Walking Dead that guy has a tiger Ezekiel yeah yeah. Ezekiel has a tiger it's, it's a all...
0: little different with him because no, no. He's like...
2: it's just it's always for a power trip of some kind sure. like for some characters it works but like it's always a power trip to show that you have a, an exotic animal
1: I think it would have come off better if it was just a regular tiger because it looks like an alien creature and so like for a lot of people it just doesn't even make sense that it's there
0: right yeah i can I, when i was watching it now i was like man can, can i even imagine what it's like for just a random person that's no idea what the graphic novel is to go in and see this movie all of a sudden two and a half hours in there's a fucking like antenna clad tiger and then like and four balloons.
2: minutes like, later he kills him he's
0: dead he's sacri- yeah it's like okay well i guess his name is because he says it once but you know yeah you have no idea the other thing that rachel and i agree on I, I know we've talked about this before that we didn't like about this movie was the casting of ozymandias because the actor is fine but he you can instantly tell he's a villain it's in the graphic novel it's a surprise when it turns out that it was ozymandias the whole time
2: and but it in, really in movie, bothers it's not. Me because it's not even the casting it's how matthew good plays him i've watched movies with matthew good and he smiles and he's nice and he's cheerful he's not this like brooding pretentious like guy. yeah
1: see i don't know part of me thinks that maybe because we know we're reading more into it watching it this time i really tried to push all of that aside and i think he doesn't seem any more like a villain than any of the other watchmen do
2: nah he monologues too. yeah yeah, he
0: monologues and he like just acts how or shows off how smart he is all the time
1: well but that's the thing though like Like, they're all kind of
0: assholes
1: it's just his asshole thing is to be hyper intelligent
2: now anybody who says the only person i've ever connected with is alexander the great right
1: like come on
2: like fuck dude
1: He's a pretentious asshole, but they're no. all assholes.
2: Pretentious is like, I only eat at this restaurant. And no, this guy, I only have connected with one person and he in, his, d- no. in the
0: entire history. No, of the
2: no. And he was like a ruthless conqueror, too. Like, no. absolutely. I'm, I'm not
1: disagreeing with that. I'm just saying that when you put him on the shelf with the other five characters, he still doesn't come off as the most evil one of those six.
0: No, but he comes across as the one most capable of hatching a plan to do something ridiculous. You know
1: he
2: I mean? commits genocide.
1: Yeah, like no, no, no. By the end of the film, but I'm talking. You're talking about in the beginning when you don't know he's the bad guy, right? Before you know he's the bad guy. If you were to put him on a scale with everybody, he's kind of more in the middle. I mean, Rorschach and the comedian are definitely more evil throughout the film than he is and then I, you throw Manhattan
2: in there he
0: already so I mean we know it's not him well, I do I know, believe that, that like
2: he is the ultimate fuck boy and the minute comedian told him his plan to save the world wasn't going to work that's when he started hatching this yeah, he's plan. like I'm gonna
0: murder this guy <laughs>
2: he's like this is it I'm doing this fuck
0: this dude he just lit my map on fire right with a cigar or whatever I mean come on no I mean, yeah, it's yeah, I for me, it still didn't really work, even trying to like put you know take it all in as a fresh breath of air it, it still came across like he was just this elitist asshole that, and yes, they're all bad, but uh, he was never portrayed really as being cool, whereas the other ones were, so <laughs> I mean I, all they're also in the watching it this time in the scene where he's like. They have to show how gay he is, uh, meeting up with with like a bunch of drag queens and like uh 80s hairband people. There was like uh David Bowie in the back. Did you guys see that?
1: No, I missed that. Yeah,
0: yeah. There, it was like, it, I was like, is that supposed to be David Bowie? And the, uh, the face makeup was like, uh, not Ziggy, Star- it was uh. Which one was it
2: was was the
0: Aladdin, Aladdin Sane. Aladdin Sane. yeah. He, he, there was a guy that had very similar, and I and they were clearly going for like he's hanging out with Bowie, but they couldn't like use Bowie's exact likeness, right? Well, I missed that. That's funny. I
2: I mean they were did that throughout that whole montage, like they had people uh, impersonating. Um, Andy Warhol and you know Richard Nixon was in there and then Stalin was in there I had just
0: never noticed the David Bowie guy in the (laughs) background leaning on a car I thought that was funny
2: but yeah like he was at Studio 54 so that was you know drugs and sex mecca in the 70s and 80s so
0: i also think they were a little heavy-handed maybe i'm just reading too much into it with the gay stuff with him like it's not that important to his it's it's cool that there's a gay character in a comic book right don't get me wrong but they like in the movie really like you know he has this one that one scene but then like when they're on his folder he has a or on his computer he has a folder that says boys like i mean do, is it really that important that we know he's that he's gay like is that i
2: never picked up that ozzy's gay like ever really yeah but i mean whole... no
0: possibly homosexual when rorschach like is monologuing about him in his journal or whatever well yeah Must investigate for he says in the comic he says like possibly homosexual must investigate further he didn't say that do you say that in this cut i don't think he did
2: i don't know but like there was the whole hooded justice was probably gay and uh silk specter was his beard and then of course silhouette is an out lesbian with uh the nurse so it it, those are all
0: important to their characters right
2: well i mean it's it's not really important I, I well, think put my point. problem is, I think Alan Moore was trying to be LGBT friendly and he was trying to show representation in times when it was kind of dismissed. But the problem is, for all three of them, it doesn't come off as a good thing, it comes like the boys thing. Seems like Ozzy Maniac. That was
0: only in the movie, is, though. I'm complaining right. more about the way it was handled in the movie, not the way Alan Moore handled it necessarily. Having a folder that said "boys" on the computer well, is totally unnecessary. Didn't at the same anything.
2: time, like he created these characters and he did. So. Uh, I don't think it's ever portrayed as a good thing. I think, you know, uh, Silhouette is obviously murdered. She's punished for being gay. And, yeah,
0: lesbian whores or whatever. Yeah. They, they write on the wall. It's pretty fucked up. So
2: I don't think being gay is A, important to Ozymandias, but also B, a positive thing, which is horrible.
0: Right, which is why why do they have to make such a point that he's gay? Like, it's fine if it just, like, naturally is a part of whatever's happening, right? Like, I don't even mind the scene where, you know, at Studio 54, uh, you know, I don't mind that at all. It was a part, it was just showing, like, his past or whatever. But but this the folder marked boys was just, like, a super heavy-handed thing that didn't actually add anything. It just kind of vilified him, so...
2: I think I, this the Studio 54 thing is just to show how different everybody is that, you know, uh, Ozymandias is a celebrity first.
0: Sure. Yeah. He's
2: the public face of the Watchmen. He is the um, he he's not in it to save the world like we don't ever actually see him do anything anything good.
0: Until the end like you don't even see him doing anything super. I guess you kind of see it when like the fake murder assassination thing happens, but I mean really even then you just see him like duck around a little bit and whack a guy with a with a pole.
2: You I don't mean, see him be a hero.
0: Right. Um, definitely not.
2: And I know that they comment very heavily on how he hired the fake assassin, but he also strategically had it so that the people that were just disagreeing with him were murdered yeah and they do overlook that like you know well let's let's not talk about that guy who attempted to kill you let's talk about like the six people he did kill
0: yeah that you hid behind Mm -hmm. like he literally moves behind one of them as a shield
2: so comment on that yeah
0: come on it was a lot. Yeah, I just okay. don't really like the way they handle Osmandius. is, I guess, the way
2: no. I'm that's getting fine. at
1: it. That's fine. Um, so we are nearing like our hour mark here. What are some other areas that you would like to touch on?
0: I don't know. I've hit
1: I, a lot
2: of
0: my
1: heavy
2: yeah' I, I do And wanna, I asked the questions that I wanted to. I wanted to go a little bit deeper.
1: Well, I, I just want to touch on the soundtrack for a minute. I think this, the soundtrack is pretty fantastic. In this movie, uh, I think it's it's kind of underrated or overlooked when we talk about movie uh, movie soundtracks so if you haven't heard it in a while it's it's on spotify so i definitely recommend
0: you check it's it out it's never overlooked for me i have i've had some of those songs since this movie came out on my spotify playlist and even the one that was in the trailer that wasn't actually in the i don't think it was actually in the movie the one that was uh it's like smashing the end pumpkins. is the beginning is the end yeah or what yeah. is that what it's called something like that Yeah, it was only in the trailers right it would never actually made it to the mm-hmm. movie
1: correct so so the song is it's the smashing pumpkins it's the beginning is the end is the beginning which uh fun little fact is the b-side of the beginning is the end is the beginning which is in uh batman
0: forever it's on the batman forever soundtrack uh i noticed that when we reviewed batman (laughs) forever not too long ago uh yeah it was i don't know maybe it was like a year ago i don't know it's been a while
1: so that that yeah that trailer so regardless of, of my feelings on the film itself i still think that trailer is one of the best movie trailers i've personally seen and the song is a huge part of that um and it kind of got me interested in smashing pumpkins i had kind of like i kind of once in a while listened to them but i like definitely went and purposely checked them out because i liked the song so much
0: but yeah even the rest of the soundtrack there's not a miss on it honestly it's i mean it's a little weird with what we know now about hallelujah yeah that uh that's what they're playing when they're having sex uh you know if you you don't know
1: yeah yeah. go ahead i was gonna say what we're referring to is so the reason "Hallelujah" has has been so so much a a big part of the snyder cut and is in a lot of Zack snyder's stuff at least in, in trailer form is because the song is uh or was his daughter's favorite the daughter who uh committed suicide back in 2017. so um that's her favorite song
2: but it she was a child when Watchmen came out so yes. he could have right. just played that in the movie and then that was like her first exposure to it or something so, it's just
0: weird that it was during the sex scene for me like a little bit you know like, but i don't think that's it?
2: her fault you know
0: I mean, no, it's that's not her fault yeah. i'm not saying that at all we don't
1: we don't really know when she first heard it or why it was her favorite or anything like that we, we now know that is the reason it's such a big part of the snyder cut it's yeah. very intentional because of everything that's gone on with that. We we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, so you can you can check that out. I'm sure we'll talk um, about that stuff in the future. But, but yeah,
2: I I want to point out that Zack Snyder's use of music in all of his films is very purposeful. He has a keen ear for music, and he wants when a song plays, he wants you to notice the song it is not supposed to blend in it is not supposed to be forgotten you're supposed to recall this scene with the entire scope of it including the music you know that montage with uh, a change is coming or what's the the bob dylan song Um, these times they are changing changing, yeah Yeah. uh that's very purposeful the sound of silence playing at the funeral like they're synonymous you think of that scene and you hear his songs now whether you like it or not you know a lot of people say that that sex scene is super awkward and that song doesn't fit you still remember the two together so you know like in the end he's kind of done his job with that
0: on, the, on a similar note, I do agree with you, but I also think that sometimes his song choice can be a little heavy-handed.
2: It is very distracting at times, too. Yeah,
0: like sometimes it's a little th- too on the nose. He's like, he's trying to be clever by picking the song mm-hmm. for this scene, but then really it's more like, okay. I mean, it's just it just comes across as heavy-handed and maybe not the best
2: for the scene. So. Well, I think there are some directors out there that get a lot of praise for their soundtrack choices like Tarantino. And, you know, I think it's overhyped. like Tarantino and then I feel like there's some that have very good and nuanced picks for soundtracks that never really get praised like I Zach Braff directs like kind of movies that nobody really talks about anymore Garden State's really the only one that stands out but his soundtracks are always top-notch and then there is Zack Snyder, who is a divisive director altogether. You either love him or you hate him, and there's not a lot in between, but the soundtracks fall in there too. Some of the songs are wonderful like the montage at the beginning and some of the song choices are really awkward like the hallelujah sex scene so it's just uh, i never
1: found that scene awkward it's I don't never know.
2: that <laughs> version of that song to that act is so weird which is weird for me because uh, even from the beginning the first time i heard that song it i was like that it's not about religion yeah
1: i never found it that scene weird I don't know. I, I've heard lots of people. So obviously, I'm the odd man out on this, and I know that. I just I'm not. I don't understand why it's weird.
2: Because you were looking at Malin Ackerman's tits the whole time.
0: Probably, but uh, yeah, it, like it, it, the song choice and like being awkward or heavy handed, um, that it's just his Zack Snyder trait because he does that with his writing a lot too. Mm -hmm. Um, Or like the way he, a lot of the way he does things could be considered heavy handed. And I understand why people complain about that a lot from him. Some of the time it bothers me. Some of the time it doesn't. It only bothers me when he thinks he's, when I feel like he thinks he's being clever with it and he's not. Um, And I'm worried we're going to get a lot of that in the Snyder cut, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, I was, it was funny because going through this movie and watching it with my girlfriend, I was uh i was like i bet you there's a shot like that in snyder cut and i bet you there's a shot like that in snyder cut there's just some scenes that he doesn't like every movie you know like the cemetery scene with like the slow pan out um you know in this movie it was to the sound of silence but like you slowly go through the gate and it gets wider and you see the gate of the cemetery and everything you know i would probably be willing to bet that there's a scene like that in uh in justice league uh, he has and- a
1: style you know he really does when like it's, it's just same
0: shot i mean that's that's the uh, tough part for me it's a, when yeah it's like almost the exact same shot in two different movies um, it's kind
1: of like a, it's almost like his signature though it's kind of like you know the way nolan does uh how Nolan's scores pair up with his films you know, like you can basically pick out a Nolan movie from the score alone.
2: That's because there's always a giant. Whoa!
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah. In Thank in all of his movies, and so like some guys just kind of have have signatures like that.
0: That's
2: oh, amazing. absolutely. Well, he like,
0: has so many that I just don't. I, I'm I'm over it. Like his between his like <laughs> Christianity references, like constantly, and you know, the, using similar shots in almost every movie. You know, it, it's it's a lot. I still love Zack Snyder and I think he's a great visual director. Um, but there is some stuff about him that I have become sick of over the years, unfortunately. So we'll see if that continues in the Snyder cut. Cause we're reviewing that next week and uh, we're all very excited about it. Right. I am.
2: I am like the idea that a movie is getting re-released as its intention. Like I think it sets a very odd precedent and if this is at all profitable, we are gonna see Lucas have a field day. <laughs> he's gonna re-edit everything he's ever made. Well, no, I mean American he sold- graffiti. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he sold all of his Star Wars rights, so Disney would have to hire him to do that, but I mean, I think what's weird here is like, don't get me wrong. This obviously the Snyder cut sets a, a, a completely new precedent, but it's also such a unique situation that there aren't a lot of other examples where this could even occur. Um, and so I think that's where things get really weird is that like, I don't even know what's another example, assuming a studio was on board, what would be another film that could have something like this? Yeah. You know, it gets kind of weird. I can't and, you know, think of any. Yeah. Right, like there's the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever, but he passed away, you know, so he can't even do it now. So that's not an option, and um, it still isn't the same thing because this is a situation where a director and and producer stepped away, and they brought in somebody else who reshot most of the movie, and yada yada yada. So it's such a weird situation that I, I don't know that good or bad. There's anybody else out there who could do it? No, that's
0: that's fair.
1: Um, They did announce that there is a 30 minute kind of behind the scenes documentary that's launching on March 18th as well alongside of the cut. So if four hours and two minutes is not quite enough Snyder cut for you, you, they can tack on another half an hour.
0: (laughs) So maybe we should remind the schedule of what the schedule is next week just to be clear.
1: Yeah. So next week, so March 22nd, Monday, March 22nd, we are doing a live stream of our review and just in-depth discussion of Zack Snyder's justice league known as the Snyder cut all and four it may hours. Be long. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, I would imagine if it doesn't go along, that's a pretty bad sign. It means it was just boring as hell. Um, so that's what we're doing on Monday. It's going to release the following day on March 23rd. Also on March 23rd, we are going to have a live stream of, the, of our review in-depth conversation of the premiere for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the latest MCU series coming to Disney+. Plus. So Snyder Cut drops on March 18th. Falcon and the Winter Soldier drops on March 19th. So we're doing them back-to-back days and releasing two episodes next week. So I hope that you join us for at least one of those episodes. I'd love for you to join for both, but I understand if they're, they're not, you know, both your, your cup of tea, but hopefully you uh, enjoy at least one of them.
0: Yes. And if you join our Facebook group, you get to talk about fun stuff like these uh, with us. I posted a poll in our group earlier today asking which movie or TV show people are going to watch first, the Falcon and winter soldier or Snyder cut. Um, and, Falcon and winter soldier won by a good amount. Um, <laughs> so I, and that may be because people don't have the time to devote four hours to a movie before they watch the hour long or 45 minute long or however long uh, Falcon winter soldier is going to be. So,
1: yeah, I definitely think Falcon winter soldier is certainly easier to watch on a Friday night, you know, than, sure. than the Snyder cut is on a Thursday night or something like that. I, I definitely believe that. Um, I did do a poll on Twitter. Asking people if they are going to watch the Snyder cut this week on HBO max. And we did have 67% said yes. And 17% said no, but they, they will later just not this week. So um, only 8% said no at all. Some were undecided. So people are at least planning to watch it. I guess, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Obviously, i think everybody is
2: just like on board to watch this they're like maybe some of them are like i'm gonna hate this and (laughs) And they're watching it
0: go in hating it then they're gonna hate it like that's i have this theory
2: then it's their problem like if you know you're gonna hate something or you expect to hate something why are you gonna dedicate four hours to it it sounds very masochistic i mean
1: some people i think just want to you know shit on 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 other people like for example earlier this week there was supposed to be a virtual premiere microsoft servers uh there were some cloud issues and so microsoft teams was down as a service which meant that the premiere was delayed because it was a virtual premiere and like a lot of places covered that news and i understand why but the number of laugh reacts for people having a you know getting their jollies off on other people's time being ruined is just like a snapshot of like the whole situation that people like when something sucks for somebody else. And that's just, it's demoralizing as hell. So I hope that if you watch the movie, I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's good. And if you don't, I'm sorry. I hope you don't feel like you wasted your time, but you know, if you didn't like it, don't purposely try and make fun of people who did. That's my problem.
2: Like if you want, if you want to hate something and you want to sit through it yourself, that's on you. But like, you can't be like, what's the problem with just having opinions and letting it go about stuff like just let it go
1: yeah i mean there's plenty of movies i dislike you if you've listened to the show you know like we've trashed plenty of movies on the show you're welcome to your opinion but you know don't dog on individuals who happen to like the thing you don't right so with that
2: we're out of here
1: <laughs> yeah we are out of here so we are screen heroes thank you for joining us you can find us at screen heroes pod on all of the social medias including our facebook page and join our facebook group the screen heroes podcast forum on facebook we do polls memes news uh, tournaments all kinds of fun stuff so join us there you can find our show pretty much on every podcast app that's out there you can also stream it directly from dorico you can find me at the star trek dude out on twitter you can find I Ray, where? The
2: Siren Ray on Twitter.
1: And Ryan. At Buster Props on Twitter.
0: At
2: and that's the us. Buster
1: Props. No, just, I think it's just at Buster Props.
2: Yeah, it's a joke because you said the Star Trek dude and I said the Siren Ray. Oh,
1: But I actually have the in my handle.
2: All right, guys. Fuck <laughs> me. We'll see you all later.
1: Good night, everybody. Have a good week